Hey, it already counted down, Stephen. You wasn't watching. Megan's coming back in. You messed up. Oh, shoot. It's, I was staring you, off yeah, I don't space. know what you did, but she was. She jumped in, and she had this look. Ooh, you're in trouble. I don't know. You may have messed up. Are we supposed up. to start? Yeah, you were supposed to start five minutes ago. Oh, we're late. Shoot. Oh, go <clears> ahead. Start, Stephen. Come on. Keep going. Do we do the five, four, three, two, one thing? We already okay. did that <clears throat> five minutes ago. <laughs> Are you slow today, Stephen? Are you okay? Here, here, I'll tell you what. Five, <clears throat> four, three, two, one. Welcome to another edition with Trucking with Pro Miles podcast, and as I'd like to say, the coolest cat in the trucking industry, Mr. Tony Stroncheck. What's the story behind the hat? I always forget. The hat? Uh, oh no. It's not a, Gall- it's not a Gallagher that. obsession, is it? No, it's the Irish in me, I guess. Okay. You know, and I, I really like them. They're different than ball caps and uh i just started wearing them one day and just liked them not to be uh, i said i looked sexy not to be stereotypical but uh aren't irishmen supposed to have some meanness or anger to them from time to time Arr. i've never seen i've <laughs> never seen a shade of anger out of you but uh well believe it or not i'm 20 something percent irish and a fighter so irishmen are supposed to be uh, fighters hey i'm just a smart one i'm a lover not a yeah. fighter see they had lovers in, in ireland life. too you just didn't you didn't hear about them a lot yeah Still. They're the leprechauns. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little guy. In our podcast today, we are going to uh, examine the subject of the oversized overweight permits as they vary from state to state. And we'll be talking with Ray Morgan, who's been in the industry for many, many years. He's a legend and a giant. We're also going to be talking with Josh Rieger, who owns his own small trucking company in Illinois. But uh, more to our subject matter, he is president of the National Pilot Car Association. And a lot of people forget this, but that permit and the route and the wording on that permit is just as vital and important to the pilot as it is to uh, the carrier. So we'll, we'll talk about the challenges and the differences between permits uh, nationwide and talk some specifics a little bit later on. But before we do that, Tony, um, catch catch me up a little bit on the trucking industry in general. I shared with you before we went on air, uh, Bob Costello, who is with ATA and generally considered to be the guru of the trucking industry in terms of forecasting and future prognosticating. Um, Bob is saying that not only have we seen the two recent very high profile um, uh, dissolvements of a couple of major, major trucking companies, yellow being one of them, but he predicts we're on the verge of seeing several more, Uh, not necessarily the big boys, hopefully not, but uh, several of the smaller to medium sized trucking companies, Bob says that uh, came on board during COVID and post COVID when the rates were just going through the roof. Uh, He says, we have been going through and are about to go through a kind of a natural adjustment period uh, to where, you know, the market now uh, down a bit in terms of rates and otherwise can only bear so many, so many trucking companies. Your thoughts, Tony, on where we're at and stay the trucking industry. Well, remember 
you know, I've been in this industry now for 33, 34 years, and I've watched the roller coaster many, many times. And uh, the the key is, is one, let's hope that for once Bob's wrong. Mm-hmm. Let, let's just hope that he's wrong and that uh, tomorrow things will just pop up and be amazing, you know. But if they're not, it's okay. Um, I will tell you that a lot of things have happened over the last few years, and one of the things that have happened is visibility to more data and more information. And we can be better prepared for these things, but I don't think you're ever truly prepared because it's going to hurt. It's 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 It always upsets me when an organization has to let people go. It always upsets me where, let's say a carrier did, you know, finally go out on his own and, you know, I'm going to make things happen. And now he's got 50 trucks. And then all of a sudden, you know, he has to call everybody and say, hey, we're shutting our doors. Uh, we tried the last couple of years. We thought we could do it on our own. Uh, there's, you know, you got Convoy out there, the software company that, you know, uh, was evaluated at $3.5 billion. They just told everybody we're done. We, we have no solution. We raised all this money, and now we have no solution. But guess what? We've been here before. We're going to be here again, like it or not. It's going to happen. So now what do you do? You stop. You analyze what you're doing. You tighten things up, and you make it through this. Transportation isn't going to stop. People still got to have things moved. Uh, you know, uh, take your hits. Be prepared, uh, you know, put some money back while you can, you know, be be prepared for those rainy days that are going to come. I mean, look at fuel. I mean, I was looking one day and it was $4.20. I looked the next day and it was four fifty nine for diesel. And I'm sitting in the middle of Colorado. And I mean, all this happened over the last week. Uh, a lot are affecting us. You know, you've got the war in Israel. You've got, you know, uh, Russia and Ukraine and and what's going on over there? You've got everybody on on their toes right now, just worried that big world war is about to happen. We still got to move freight. We still have to make this country better than it was today, tomorrow. And so, for those that don't make it, it's okay. They're going to come back. They're going to come back working for someone else. They're going to come back because they need a job too. So let's just suck it up. Let's move through this. Let's get through this tough time and know that it's happened many times before. We've got through it and we're going to get through it again and just keep getting things to perspective and realize, think about 2020, think about COVID, think about how crappy things really were and how we almost lost everything, everybody, uh, but we made it through it. So it may not be easy, but it is just part of life and it's a part of life that sucks but a part of life that also makes us that much stronger. Um, we get fat and lazy, I think, when we do so well because we we're not striving, we're not hungry, we're not we're not starving. Uh, sometimes you need to starve a little. You need you need to you need your belly to hurt a little bit to realize how valuable that meal really is. And then you're going to work that much harder to get. Yeah, it's never good news in any industry when <clears throat> companies uh, start closing up, but. If there's a silver lining in the trucking industry, and and you mentioned earlier they're going to get hired up, uh, they most certainly have. Um, my my son, for example, who heads up a yard for a national carrier uh, out west in Phoenix, um, he took advantage of 
the um, unfortunate news of Yellow closing up by hiring one of their uh, guns. And um, this person, he says, is extremely qualified, came in, needed no training, and um, is uh, doing a great job uh, out at his yard right now. So fortunately, the trucking industry, uh, unlike some other industries that come and go, um, will there'll always be a need, (laughs) I think, at least in our lifetime for hauling freight over the road. Well, Stephen, if you remember in 2020, everybody was freaking out trying to figure out how they're going to pay everybody. We were struggling because we were growing so much that we couldn't hire enough people quick enough. Okay. But we were able to find so many amazing people that we have on staff right now that I could have never got before COVID. I couldn't have. Okay. They work for somebody for 20 years and then all of a sudden I can get them now, you know? So the industry needs to look at this and react right now. You know, we're all going to hurt. We're all going to struggle, but you better have your ears out for all those great people that now need a job. Their business may not have made it. They may have went off on their own and couldn't just get where they wanted to be, but they still are that amazing person that can help your trucking company. So take this a time now to be looking for the future people you need to help run your business. Cause that's what I did. That's one of the things that helped us so much over the last several years was finally getting a really good upper management team that could help me manage everything. So we can truly focus on a lot of different things at once. And even through COVID, you know, we spent hours every day figuring out how do we make sure everybody gets their phone calls? How do we make sure people can go remote? How do we let people VPN to this stuff? You know, those were tough, hard times that we all, how do I get to the store and get food without getting sick? How do I go out and I don't have enough Lysol today? Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? So think about what's coming as another type of issue that is overcomable and there will be benefits from it. No matter how bad it gets, you can benefit if you just open your eyes and realize the amazing folks that are out there that are going to be needing jobs. Hire them up. You better get them now before somebody else does. Amen. So as we transition to our interview today, again, it is the subject matter is um, the great variety of oversized overweight permits across the country and the way the permit is worded. What comes where? How they route it? Do they list the actual name of the road or do they, you know, do the name of somebody else? Do they put local roads on there, et cetera, et cetera. And I think I mentioned this in the interview, Tony, but it for anybody tuning in specifically for this topic, I really, really want to be clear and emphasize again and have you double emphasize it. And that is this. Too often, folks, when they talk about their permits across the country, think that we, the vendor or our competitors, um, are responsible for exactly how that permit reads and, and, and how it looks and where we put the axle weights and where we put the routing and that type of thing. But I want to be crystal clear again to everybody that um, we, ProMiles, work for the state governments. And while we have a tried and true method for how things operate behind the scenes with our permitting system, uh, and, and, and we may offer our input as to how you know permits might typically look and, and, and such, it is the state government that dictates to us and to our competitors how that permit looks and feels. So I just wanted to get that disclaimer out there right right from the get-go that uh, 
uh, folks are most welcome to bring their comments and, and such to us and 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 but but we'll we'll advise you one and all um, to take your comments, both praise, lots of praise out there as well, and your concerns uh, directly to the states. Yeah, well, the thing you got to look at, Stephen. I mean, as a country, even we're becoming more of a single country today than we ever have, and it's social media. It's everything else that's out there. So I think it's just it's going to take time. I mean, because if you're hauling a great big load in Alabama versus hauling that same load here in Colorado, it's two different worlds. And working with all these different jurisdictions, we've realized that it's not that any of them's wrong on how they do things. They had reasons. Uh, some of it was, oh, we can't put that much on a piece of paper. <laughs> we don't want to use more than one sheet, so we formatted it this way. Another one says, oh, we did it this way because of this accident that happened and because this is what the people came to us and suggested we ought to do. But I do think, Stephen, that the country has done a hell of a job synchronizing and harmonization of all mm -hmm. this stuff to try to make it better and easier for the industry. And that's why today there's so many permits that are issued where it wasn't before. The it, It's getting better. And all we can do is keep educating the industry and industry, keep telling us your complaints and your problems. And the state jurisdictions do listen. And I think they're even listening more now oh. because that data needs to be shared across the board. Yeah. You know, we want when that truck comes up to a border, I, you know, we want that border to already know about that truck, who it is, what he did. Was he already inspected? If so, can I get a copy of that inspection? You know, can that help expedite him getting through my inspection? So I just, I think a lot of amazing things have happened. And I, I will tell you, in 2003, it was a mess across the country. It really was. Today, it's so much better. Yeah. So Two much. quick examples of the point you just made about the progress the governments are making. <clears throat> One is ProMiles, um, right as we speak now, is serving as a consultant to the federal government uh, for states to share and harmonize uh, all kinds of data uh, as trucks move from from one jurisdiction to another, and that might make some of you in the trucking industry a, a little bit nervous. But uh, uh, again, it's it's the, a sign of the times. But more to your point in our interview and focus of our podcast today, um, Ashto, particularly their CTSO committee under Dave Hoft and Gino Kaler, along with Tina Sanders, the head permit person for the state of Maryland have been working for the last two years now, and they reach out to us as a vendor from time to time to actually harmonize the look and feel of each state permit. I don't speak quite so loudly as I used to, Tony, when I had my SCNRA hat on, but I still feel comfortable saying that even though these are the best of the best drivers out there moving these oversized overweight loads, as they move, Tony, from one state to another, and transition from one permit format to another. Um, whether that's how the routing is, is listed uh, from one permit to another, maybe it's uh, in this permit, I'm required to have one pilot in the front and one in back in this next state. I'm, I'm only to have one in the front and none in the back. Um, that's a big deal for these drivers as they move from state to state. And so I think we take our cap off and we applaud the state officials and Ashto uh, for coming together and looking to um, harmonize at least the look and the feel of those uh, permits. 
I agree, Stephen, and I'm excited to learn more from Ray and his many, many years of experience, and also with Josh, uh, being over the Pilot Car Association is huge because there's so many of those folks out there that either, one, they don't get recognized for the great work they do being a pilot car, and the number of people that they save every day by just making people aware that this big truck is behind us or in front of us, and you need to pay attention. And And I'll tell you, Stephen, the industry today, they don't pay attention. And I hope and pray that in the future they do, and and maybe they'll all get a chance to to learn more about what does oversized overweight really mean and why do I need to slow down for a minute and not try to pass this big vehicle. With that, let's take a listen to Mr. Morgan and Mr. Rieger. All right, let's go. And just like that, there are our two resident experts, Ray Morgan and Josh Rieger. Welcome to Trucking with Pro Miles podcast. Glad to have you both. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you, gentlemen. So we are, uh, as Tony and I discussed, we're talking about permits today. Not so much how to obtain permits, uh, but the actual permits and the way they look themselves. And uh, before we jump into permits, Josh, why don't we start with you? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, president of the National Pilot Car Association, owner of your own business. Uh, yes, sir. I've uh, In the last year, I was elected the president of the National Pilot Car Association. Um, I own Bestway Pilot Car, Bestway Logistics. We're located in Metropolis, Illinois, home of the infamous Superman. Um, you know, I've been married 27 plus years. I've got two daughters. Um, you know, spent most of my life in the transportation business. And those of you that are out in the conference circuit and SCNRA, I'm sure you have or will get to know Josh soon. He's very active on behalf of the NPC as, as well. And Ray Morgan, not only welcome to the Pro Miles family, Mr. Ambassador, but uh, share with our audience some of your history in trucking. I'm a 48-year veteran of the trucking industry. I have uh, been married to Kay for 48 years. I have one daughter and three grandchildren. And your trucking background was Turner Brothers, Perkins, amongst others? Actually, I started my career with a small carrier here in Dallas called CNH Transportation back in the um, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, they were the largest carrier in the United States. Uh, then I went to work for a small regional carrier up on the Northeast, Robbins Motor Transportation. From there, I went to work for Turner Brothers Trucking and Turner Brothers Crane and Rigging in Houston, Texas. And from there, Perkins Specialized Transportation out of uh, Northfield, Minnesota. So, Tony, I'm going to let you fire off the first question or two. But to give you a minute to think about it, I want to fire off this disclaimer first. And that is <clears throat> to, to all the audience. Um, and, and Ray's heard me say this many times. Neither ProMiles nor any of our competitors, we do not dictate what the permit looks like. I mean, we obviously have our, our models and such that we use and, and may recommend if asked, but it's very important for everybody in this discussion to understand that each individual state permit, the way it looks, the way it feels, the information it displays, the way it, uh, the terminology it uses in the routing, 
That is each individual's state's decision. Correct, Tony? That is very correct. We have to follow their guidelines and their wishes, even if we may not agree to them. Uh, you know, it's it's the state system, so we have to make it exactly the way the state wants it. So that does uh, make things a little challenging, I guess, for you drivers out there that are trying to follow from one state to another. So this whole topic makes a lot of sense, Stephen. And the other disclaimer is um, Ashto, uh, the state or the association of all the state DOTs, particularly the permit offices and law enforcement and the Specialized Carriers and Rigging Association have been in discussion now for, gosh, I, I think a year or more. Tina Sanders, our friend from Maryland, first brought it up, and now Dave Hoft and Gino Kaler with the CTSO Ashto Committee have taken it on. And as we speak, they are actually in, in interacting with some of um, ProMiles officials and others, as well as state officials, about the idea of perhaps uh, making more uniform the way each individual state permit looks. And, and also, I should say, although we're not discussing this today, making the application process a little bit more uniform as well. But with that said, um, Ray, I think you and I are the old timers here on this call. Um, walk us through just briefly a little bit of the history of how the permits have looked and, field over, look and, looked and felt over the years and how that compares to today. Well, over the years, it uh, back in the early days, back in the early days, uh, the uh, permits were they were transmitted by a fax machine, and these fax machines are were some of the earlier models where they had the tubes and they went around with thermal paper. Uh, so when the driver got them, if they laid up against something that was warm, they were obscured. Some of the permits could be wiped out. Some of the Routes could be wiped out. It was hard to read. They were blurry. Uh, it was just horrible. And uh, then the new fax machines came along and came along with uh, regular printers that solved that problem. Uh, it made them a mo lot more legible. But unfortunately, some states still had a lot of work to do in which to connect the routes. Uh, the routings would be typed in, and they were hard to understand, hard to follow, and... Uh, things of that nature. So and to, you had to carry books. Illinois was famous for having their supplements that you had to carry along with the permit. Now, let's not be picking up Illinois were, too much here. Uh, just because, because somebody knows. <laughs> I understand. Uh, their supplements were, were small catalogs uh, that the driver had to keep in his cab and keep handy to, uh, to refer to with the permit. So uh, that made it even more difficult to try to drive a truck and haul a load that's hanging off the sides of the trailer or that's over height and then having to refer to a permit and having to refer to a catalog along with it somewhere on page six or seven uh, to find out what the restriction is. So Josh, as the younger man on this panel, does that make you feel a little bit more appreciative of where we're at today with the permits? <laughs> you know, it, it does. I have heard some of what Ray's talking about from some of the, the old timers in the past. You know, the, the, the upside is technology has changed. You know, your your cell phone that was originally a phone um, is is now basically a mini computer. So instead of that catalog, you can go online and look at a lot of that stuff. Instantaneously updated, no fax machines. You know, stuff gets emailed, it gets forwarded to somebody's phone or iPad. So some of the technology has been catching up to make life easier 
for everybody involved. But yes, absolutely. And Tony, I saw you chuckling and smiling a little bit, probably reminiscing about your early days and the permit technology and maybe even your father's days. Yeah, it was the fax machine because I remember we paid $5,800 for this fancy fax machine and it had the thermal paper like he's talking in it. And uh, the challenge there is you don't put your fax machine close to the windows uh, because it, it ruins it all. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I can remember those days. And and I'll tell you, it, it, it gets challenging, too, because they were issuing some information at the truck stops through kiosk and they would use thermal paper to print things off at the beginning. And it thermal paper is just terrible. Uh, and, you know, the amazing thing is, is, you know, they still build fax machines inside all your printers. And most people don't think I got a fax machine. You do because your printer's not a fax. But just like Ray said, it was tough back then. But I can remember, you know, how difficult it was just for me to use, um, you know, different maps for each state to try to get somewhere. But the most complicated piece is you've got directions and you got special things you got to do with a permit that is different. And so if every state is doing that differently, man, that's got to be really confusing to people like you, Josh, that, you know, it's your responsibility to make sure you know what you're doing and where you're going. And you finally get there and realize, oh, this state got me coming out on 20. The next state has me coming in on 10. We're screwed. We got to go back to the beginning again. I mean, does that happen a lot? Again, that's not necessarily the state's problem as it is uh, a permit company or the trucking company that has somebody that puts in permits, um, you know, that you got to make sure they connect. So a lot of times, um, you know, I've, I've got my hand in a little bit of both sides. I said, best way pilot car. I am the president of the NPCA. You know, I have 12 pilot cars. I also have a couple trucks that I run. So I have permit accounts in 30 plus states. So uh, I learned early on the state's, will not usually let you amend your permit once you do it. So you learn to do states in sequence. So if I'm going <laughs> from Kentucky into Illinois, into Missouri, into Kansas, I do the Kentucky permit, I get it done, and I find out where I'm leaving to go into Illinois. Before I hit accept and pay, I go into the Illinois system, and I put it in and make sure Illinois will grant me access into their state from that border crossing. And when they let me go and I'm over to Missouri, I accept Kentucky and pay for it. And then I move to Missouri, I do the same thing. And when they accept me through, then I pay, accept and pay Illinois. You see the process that we go through. Right. Um, but it's kind of like you said, all the states are different and you've got to learn a process. And, you know, I, I have gotten it before where a state will deny me going, leaving their state, and it'll come up and say, um, you know, Illinois is not going to allow you into the state on this route, so we're not going to issue you your permit. Not a lot of states do that, but, yeah. but you know, they're, they're, it's, it's, you are 110% correct. The states have different things that they do. I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying they're wrong, but they all do them for different reasons, and it's an idiosyncrasy if you're used to running, you know, on the East Coast versus the West Coast. And it's just, it's a learning curve. So I'm in the Midwest. I'm very familiar with Kentucky, Indiana, Tennessee, Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas. Get me into the Carolinas, get me out West, and I'm just lost. <laughs> just to finish up on fax machines, um, 
I, I like to tell this story because one of my most glorious achievements at IDOT, and it also upset a few of our old-time customers, was the day I was allowed to walk upstairs and take our fax machine in the office and just chuck it. And that really did upset a few folks. Uh, I was uh, enemy number one with a few few folks. But I'm assuming nobody uses fax machines anymore. Um, but that's a good transition into we're talking about the permit itself and the look and the the, the feel of it. Um, let's just start with Josh and Ray are 80%, 90% or less than that of carriers and pilots now running with their permits displaying on some type of electronic screen, an iPad or some or their phone. Uh, how many folks are still traveling with the paper copy versus electronic? You want to take that Ray? You go ahead. Okay. I will say there are a select number of states that require the permit to be printed, especially by the driver and signed. So let's take those out of the equation to where a lot of states are recognizing electronic. I will also say that, um, you know, especially when it comes to pilot cars, they're getting the permits emailed to them, texted to them as, as a PDF or as a picture. And I'd say 80% plus of the pilot cars at least are using an electronic not a printed copy okay and let's talk about the permit size itself because one of you took a crack at my old illinois dot a little bit earlier <laughs> but uh do do are there any challenges ray and josh with from state to state just how lengthy the permit is or maybe the look and feel of the first page or what do you all want to see on that first page and how long or short do you want that permit to be, Ray? Well, I think that brevity being what it is, I think that, uh, you know, anything that makes anything more complicated is, uh, is can, can be, can be reformed and made better. Um, from where I sit, you know, the, the main thing is for the routes to be understandable for the interchanges, for the junctions, uh, the road junctions, and the restrictions to be very plain. You know, what do we have to look out for? What do we have to do? What, what pilot cars do we have to have? Do we have to have state patrol? Do we have to have local assistance? Those type of things are, are very important to be, you know, very, very plain and very upfront. Uh, and, you know, most of the permits today are fairly legible, and I would echo what uh, Josh said earlier about, you know, at Perkins, we, all of our field superintendents and all of our drivers were outfitted with iPads and we used electronic, you know, permits. That's what we used unless the state would make us have paper copies in it. Uh, there were states that would not let you use uh, any type of a electronic device inside the cab of the truck because they said it was illegal. <clears throat> even though you're using it, you know, for your permit. Uh, but it's okay to have a paper copy and to look at it, but it's not okay to look at the electronic device. That doesn't make a lot of sense because you still have to look at the permit. That's what you're doing. But, you know, the temptation might be there. I can understand they're, you know, they're wanting to eliminate the, uh, the temptation, I suppose. But at the end of the day, this is supposed to be a professional doing a professional job there's a trust factor that has to be assumed and 
you know, that's the way I looked at it. But as far as the legibility and the uh, understanding of the permits, uh, I think from the, for the most part, they're pretty accurate. But at the end of the day, there's always work that can be done to make them better. And I think in the, in the use of routings, there are some states that will use city streets to complete a route, but they won't tell you what the city streets are. They'll give you the state routes that you're permitted on, and it will say city streets. And it's up to you to find out what those city streets are. And you have to work with the local jurisdiction to get those done. Sometimes you get by a permit. Sometimes you just hire a city cop. Sometimes you just use them. It just depends on which state you're in and what the circumstances are. We'll, so some of that could be a whole lot plainer. It could make a, made a whole lot easier. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of the routing component of permits itself here in just a moment. But Josh, same question to you. You, your colleagues, your associates out there, um, what, what do you like to see in terms of the look and feel of the permit? What, what's at the top? What's on that first page? How long is the permit? What, what are you all looking for? Um, you know, again, every state is, is a bit different. Um, a lot of the states I'm, I'm dealing with, let's just take Illinois and let's take Kentucky. A Kentucky permit is a very, very short permit. A lot of times, you know, depending on the routing and, and, and if it gets big, it'll flow into a second page. But I don't know that I've ever seen a Kentucky permit that was more than a page and a half long. Depending on the routing and the way Illinois puts routing in there, sometimes their permits can be four and five pages long. And I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong. Um, there are challenges with both. I think the Illinois and the Kentucky permit look very professional. There are a few states their permit is, is, is very, very plain. But, but for me and, and kind of the way that Ashto has called out and said, we'd kind of like to see permits modeled this way. I really think that they've they've made it conducive. When I look at a permit, I like to see the truck information first. I like to see the spacings and the weights and the identification. You know, and if all states make it first, it's you know any any provisions that are in there specific to that particular load. I like to see that in there. I like to see states that call it out and don't make you hunt for it or make you go somewhere else to look for it as to what the requirements are, what pilot cars do you need, and which positions and where. Now, Illinois does not differentiate between two-lane roads and four-lane roads, and Kentucky does. They've got different regulations for that load on two lanes, but Kentucky very clearly calls it out, usually at the bottom or it might roll to the second page, on two-lane roads, lead car and chase car required on four-lane roads, rear car required. It's very clear. Illinois' permit is also good about that. Um, you know, I think Illinois has a better way of putting the routes in. I know that's kind of later on in this, um, and I think Kentucky kind of lacks some of that. But I, I like to see the truck stuff first. I like specifics, um, you know, call it general restrictions or specific parameters next. And then the routing, you know, the routing next. Um, but that's Tony basically. And, yeah, Tony, in all your years uh, running ProMiles, um, you've been in charge of lots of products and forms and how things look and feel. What's the Tony Stroncheck philosophy for your years of experience as to how 
how a how a, a, a an item like that should be designed to be user friendly on the eyes of your consumers. Well, the biggest challenge is you're dealing with a bunch of different jurisdictions. And so that's your first challenge because, you know, Ray may want something his way and Josh may want it something his way, you know, who's right and who's wrong. And so the challenge here is first find out all the information that is required everywhere that needs to be displayed. That needs to be right there in forefront you know, whether or not, you know, the routings first or the spacings and second, it's more of let's just first make sure everybody has the same information. And, you know, if there's something special that Illinois puts out there that maybe Kentucky doesn't, uh, well, you can then work those exceptions next. At the end of the day, you know, who cares who's first, second or third? It cares mostly about is it there? Absolutely. Is the content, is the information easily to find? Absolutely. And so that's where I would start. That, that but still, <laughs> I want my logo over here, and now you want your logo <laughs> over here, and and I want mine in, in this color scheme, and I want yours in this. And I think in the long run, one of the reasons why they didn't want these things electronic was they were really concerned that people were going to forge, you know, uh, forfeit these. And, you know, they're going to sit there and take a credential that was old and change a date on it or or change a time on it. So they wanted it by paper. But wait a minute, I can print it out after I make the modification. So. I think in the long run, what needs to happen, credentials need to be self, you know, certified or qualified, which means that this credential is legit. That's at the end of the day, what the industry needs. That way, everybody can give you the right information. Everybody can put it through. But is that on my phone, right? Is it on my device, my Samsung tablet that's in 2 million trucks right now for ELDs? That's what a lot of people are going to use. They're going to say, hey, it's right here. Here's the permit. You know, but can they take that out of the truck or not? I believe we need to get we're, we're a technical world here. So I think we need to take a big leap forward and say, you know, let's get the data from everybody. But at the end of the day, let's make sure the credential is valid. If you could do that, then everything can go electronic. It can do a self-validation and you can make sure what I'm looking at is real. And that's the bigger concern is for all these years. And I can remember watching these guys come in and say, hey, I need another copy of my authority. And we go, okay, well, well, you don't have it? Yeah, I do, but I've already copied it 55 times. <laughs> I've spilled coffee on it, I've done it, and you can't even read it anymore. Or, of course, even certain ink on certain paper still, you put it in the I'm sunlight, fine. and it will affect it. And so you've got these issues. So I think in the long run, we've got to get these things where you just know it's right. You know, you know it's valid. From there, they all need to go electronically. Why? Because what really needs to happen is that officer needs – information that he wants to validate, he don't want to have to read through 20, 30 pages. He just needs a validation for what he's actually looking for. If all of it is electronically, now you took that piece of paper out of the equation. The data is there. Now our truck communicating with a truck can start happening. The truck communicating to the scale house, the truck, you know, reporting back to the, you know, the pilot cars, you know, letting everybody know what's going on needs to be electronic. That's where it's coming. And right now we're just trying to make it easier because, I mean, the funny part of this is, is the way we say to route something may not be the same way that the next state says this is the way you should route. Some people put state highways certain ways. Other people don't. I mean, it is very difficult to take different DOT maps, and unless you really know maps, to understand them all. So how do we expect a driver of an 18-wheeler hauling this big load that's a specialized guy, but now he's going into areas, like you said, the West Coast. He's never been there. So now he has to understand these permits. Now he is a big problem. He's got a huge load. 
this thing could kill somebody. And he's trying to figure out, do I take the next ride or not? I mean, we've got to make this safer. And the best way to make it safer is to make it short, sweet, to the point, what you need, but include everything. At least that's my two All cents. right, let's dive into routing because that's that's really what we're here to to, to, to cuss and discuss. So, Josh, I'll, I'll, I'll pose it to you first. Give us some examples of um, from one state to another, and you can name the state or not name the state. That's okay. not what we're here for. But uh, give us some examples of how some states – will use certain terminology for their routing and their instructions and directions versus and contrast that with some other states and what challenges, if any, that presents to your industry. Okay. Well, first, I'd like to go back to Tony for just mm-hmm. two seconds and say mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%, bud. Um, that was my opinion about how a, a permit would be laid out. But to be honest with you, if everything was on the permit and the state's would band together and whether the truck information's on the front page, the back page, the bottom, more uniformly they put it in there. So mm-hmm. me as a pilot car operator from the East Coast coming to the Midwest, when I look at a different state that I'm not familiar with, I can more easily go to it and find what I'm looking for. And really, yeah. it, it's it's to me, it's like anybody else. How much do we like change? We don't like change a whole lot. And that's what I'm used to seeing. But and, to be and honest more than with anything, you, it, I'm sorry, Josh, and more than anything, to the point I made earlier, what you just touched on is what the Tina Sanders and the Geno Kalers and, and the other Ashtoa officials are actually, I think, taking the hardest look at. And I think if anything comes out of their 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 work, it will be the permits of the future, no matter who the vendor will 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 go in a certain order. This will be on page one. This will be on the bottom mm-hmm. of page one. This will be on bottom of page two. So uh, to the to the state's uh, credit, um, I think they're working towards that. Just looking about, for a bit of uniformity. Yeah. So how about my routing question? Compare sure, and contrast sure. for us. Okay. What do you see so, out there? So let's, uh, and, and again, it's not a right, wrong, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. It's just a different way to do it. So let's call out Kentucky and their routing and and i've got a few permits here i i you know you guys got onto me for shuffling my papers i was trying to <laughs> organize my thoughts so so when you look at a kentucky permit in the middle of the page it says routing from and this particular permit says illinois and it or from it's coming from illinois and it's going and it gives me the destination location and then underneath that in a box it says via via and that is the route. So, for instance, it says I-24 southbound um, at the Illinois state border, McCracken County, to I-69 northeastbound to US-62 westbound. Now, there's more routing in there, but what I want to do is go back. I-24, it's an even number. That is an east and west traveling interstate. But yet on the Kentucky permit, it says southbound. Because if you know anything about a Kentucky permit, they tell you the direction you are physically heading. And when you come out of Illinois into Kentucky, yes, you are traveling in a southerly direction. Technically, you're going eastbound by way of the actual interstate system. So so there is an example of the way Kentucky does it. You're not going east. You're not going west. It's the physical direction you are going at that junction. 
So then we flip over to the Tennessee permit. The Tennessee permit is very much kind of the same way. And this permit says that we're coming in from Missouri on I-155 eastbound. And we're leaving Mississippi on US-45 southbound. Um, Stephen, this is the, the example that you sent to us on the email earlier to study. And if you'll, if you'll notice, when you look at that permit, you know, it calls it out east and west. And that's more the actual direction of the road, not the physical direction that you're heading. Then when you go to the Illinois permit, the Illinois gives you the route, and it gives you turn by turn, and it gives you the approximate distance each time. So I'm on, you know, I'm coming out of Decatur, Illinois, out of the Caterpillar plant. I'm going to do the local road up to whatever. I'm going to get on I-72 eastbound, and I'm going to go 17.2 miles, and then I'm going to get on I-57 southbound, and I'm going to go so many miles to the next point. And each one of those is a separate line. But I told you earlier that Kentucky is a page, page and a half, and Illinois can be four or five pages. But that's because every turn and distance is its own line. So if you've got a complicated route, every line is a turn. So if you get off and go 0.1 miles and make a left turn, and then when you make the left turn, you go 0.25 miles to make a right turn, each one of those adds a line to it where, you know, Kentucky simply says I-24SB, comma, I-169 NEB, comma, and, and those would be two separate lines. So, so those are the differences in those three states. Mm -hmm. um, as long as you know that Kentucky tells you which physical direction you're going, and Tennessee tells you which direction that that interstate or U.S. highway or whatever runs, then you're okay. But if you're from California and you're not familiar with these states, I think that's a stumbling block for a lot of those. Ray, I saw you nodding your head a couple of times. Uh, confusing sometimes for drivers, especially new drivers? I can't imagine. I mean, imagine, imagine having to get a permit for your personal car. And in reading some of these routes and trying to fit fit the routing together, I mean it's it's uh, you know it's extremely difficult, especially with someone who's uh, still wet behind the ears and hasn't uh, hasn't hasn't driven in that state before. Uh, I'll take I'll take uh, Josh's you know his uh, example of somebody from the Midwest ending up in California and having to pull a permit, even though it's a small permitted load it can still be extremely confusing to try to put those routes together, especially with in California, they have so many local jurisdictions and permits that are required cities and local jurisdictions that you have to have. You end up with a book in your hand and it's, uh, it's extremely difficult to, to, to navigate. Go ahead, Josh. So, so you brought up California and I've been there a few times and had to permit. Now, and don't take this the wrong way. To me, California seems to be a bit archaic. I have to fill out a piece of paper and I have to email it into them, handwritten usually. And, and they use color-routed areas or something mm -hmm. to that extent. So yes. they have in the north it might be orange and in the middle it might be blue or between different cities. And they have different requirements. And, and for me not being from California, I found it very, very confusing. 
Fair. <laughs> hey, so, Tony. Absolutely. I'm sorry, Josh. Uh, I want to I want to stick on your your routing issue in terms of whether an interstate actually is supposed to be east or west or what you're physically driving and get your perspective, Tony, because you've been routing trucks most of your adult life. What What's your perspective on should it be as the crow flies or as the the interstate is, is actually worded? Well, it's it, it, I'll just tell you personally, uh, according to my wife, I don't drive right as it is. <laughs> and, uh, and her directions aren't always that clear. But I'll also tell you that if she wasn't with me, I probably won't make it to the destination. <laughs> uh, and I have a mapping company. But uh, it, it's all confusing. And, and I'll tell you what's, what is confusing is when you go from one area of the country and there's not that many roads to an area of the country where there's so many roads. And the most complicated part was, is what do we call it? Well, this is an interstate. It's a U.S. highway. It may be a local road even. It's, it's all these different things all in the same segment. So do you tell them every time that they change from this name of road to this name of road? Is it easier to say, no, 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 you're still on Georgia 64, so I'm just going to keep saying Georgia 64, you know, and do you repeat it? Do you not repeat it? And it's very difficult, and it all starts with the data that you get from the source to begin with. And, you know, which data is more accurate? We have spent years cleaning up situations where people got mad going, why do you tell me I'm getting off of an interstate to a U.S. highway and I'm getting back on the interstate when I never left the interstate? And they're right. Mm. But it's all dependent on what that road segment's called. Does the previous road segment have that name or not? So we had to build logic to make a lot of these assumptions work. If not, your page, like you talked about, Illinois is so long, it would be very long because the one thing you do want is you want to know all those terms where Kentucky gives you very vague. Well, do I get off? Do I get back on? What do I do? And if they don't tell you, well, that even makes it worse because now you don't know what to do. So sometimes a little too much is too much mm. and sometimes not enough is not enough. And But getting the jurisdictions to all agree on terminology, to agree on how things are laid out, it's coming and it's been coming. Look at the permits today across the country versus the permits five years ago. I mean, the routing's getting better. You know, the systems are getting better. The states truly understand how to route things now where they didn't back then. They were taking paper maps, you know, doing it the old fashioned way, but they're not drivers. They're not a trucker. You know, they don't understand all those pieces. And so now there's enough technology, I believe, in the industry to allow systems to be able to do this. And that leads us to back to your lovely state of Illinois, Stephen. I mean, you know, they use here technology to build that route. And here is the same technology that's in my Ford F-350 truck. Okay. Also, my wife's Nissan Juke uses here technology. Now, here technology is great for cars, you know, and all this. But you start blending that in with truck and routing and oversized overweight. Here, technology doesn't do oversized overweight stuff other than just Illinois. But what, what they did have is good data that I was able to take that data and convert it into the uh, route guidance app that Illinois has out there uh, that we deployed. Now you have something to talk. So the goal is how can we get every state on a route guidance? How can we get every state to know that, okay, I'm about done at this state. I'm about to go into Texas, automatically switch it to now 
talk to me and tell me the things that I need to know in Texas. Because I will tell you, Colorado, when I moved here many years ago, is so different than it is in Texas. In Colorado, we're right now dealing with snow, okay? In Texas, they get snow twice a year, sometimes three times. So different things are going to be required for permits differently. You know, different requirements going to be routing may need to be more dictated on, you know, on grade. You know, am I going uphill? Am I going downhill? You know, what is that grade? You know, so there's things that have to be different between jurisdictions. But when it comes to the routing, I think we're getting there. I really do. Doing this since 1989, things are so much better now. You look at maps across the country, they're getting a lot more similar now. They're using similar terminology. They're all using legends. And we're all getting much better at this. Then we're getting lazy. Now we're starting to use devices to do it all work for us. Well, don't do that. Don't rely just on devices. Don't rely on any route that the that you're given from anyone. Use your own judgment. Use your eyes. And again, that's why we have the pilot cars. That's why we have other people other than the guy driving that truck responsible to do this. Because it takes a team. It takes a huge team to figure this stuff out. Mostly when you come up and realize, oh, crap, my permit didn't tell me anything about this construction in front of me. What the hell do I do? You know, so hopefully you got a guy far enough ahead that can figure it out before you get there. Thoughts, you know, th- or you're going to have to pull over the side of the road. Thoughts, Ray Morgan? Response? Yeah, the, uh, you know, you, you brought up a great point. And that's that, you know, some of these drivers today are, are relying on uh, GPS technology to get them down the road. And they're, they're worried about uh, the accuracy. I know the states are now calling out some of the GPS devices. Do not follow them. Do not use them. I know that uh, you know ProMiles is working on some type of a version of a turn-by-turn system that can be you know programmed into a, a a routing map, and that's great and wonderful. But you know again, similar technology, you've got to be able to use the same terminology in the state that the state uses. For instance, Tony, you and I are both from the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. You got foreign market roads, you got state highways, you got US highways, you got interstates. Okay, so then you got ranch roads, then you got the park roads, then you got this road and that road. In, uh, in the state of Oklahoma, it's a whole different set of, set of circumstances. In Texas, you've got foreign market roads that turn into state highways. You got state highways and foreign market roads that run together. You got state highways and, and uh, ranch roads that run together. It just depends on what section of Texas that you're in. And you said in Texas, we only get snow twice a year. Well, some parts of Texas don't ever get it. Some parts get nothing but ice. And what are you going to do? You got, and you got canyons, you got grades, you got... It's, it's a whole different set of circumstances, state by state. That technology has to be adaptable and has to be understandable, you know, uh, as you go through the process and whoever comes up with a device that can do that, that can come up with that, uh, some type of a program that can, that can accommodate those changes, uh, they're going to win the race. And I know pro miles is ahead of the game there. So Josh, for the sake of time, cue up for us, tee up for us one more challenging aspect of the routing terminology and component that you see from state to state and you and your colleagues and industry see and we'll we'll chew on that for a bit okay 
Well, first off, with Ray, Google Maps will only do will only get you in trouble when it comes to oversize because it's it, it says you want to go fastest, you want to go shortest, and and none of that makes any sense in our industry. First off, no. number two, when Pro Miles come out with the app that you could scan off of the Illinois permit amongst a few other states. I thought that was great. There was a lot of backlash, especially from the pilot car industry, because they're like, well, these people that are, as in Ray's term, wet behind the ears, they're just going to use that, and they're not going to find the old, their own route. So it's, it's, it's not to be used as an alternative. It's, it's a fail-safe. And and, and, and I believe you're, you're going to agree with that. You know, they need to know the route. Nothing is ever going to replace pre-planning. Get your permit. Study your permit. I don't care whether you use a paper map, you use your iPad or your iPhone, your Samsung, your whatever. Learn your route. Learn the idiosyncrasies from state to state. That's the only way we're going to keep people safe. Um I get it all the time, whether it's a phone call in from one of my PIVOs, my pilot car operators, or somebody else, you know, a, another company. It says, Josh, I, I picked up a load with a Landstar driver. I picked up a load. Just name whatever company you want to because it happens across the board. He told me I'm a chase car. All I asked for was a copy of the permit. I said, well, depending on what state it is, if you will read the permit, it says everybody needs to have a copy, whether paper or electronic, in the process. I train a lot of pilot cars I have over the years. I have a process that I like to follow, and it is. I don't care if you're the front car or the rear car. If there is not a high pole or a lead car, it's the rear car's job to communicate to the driver. Though you might not see that turn, but when we get 10 miles from the turn, I want it called out. The pilot car is there to assist. We're 10 miles out from exit 27. At exit 27, we will be turning right on U.S. Highway 62. And I don't care if the driver clicks it. I don't care if he says yes, you know, affirmative. I just want him to know. I have a problem when the pilot car operator calls it out less than a mile from the turn. That means if you're traveling 60 miles an hour, you've got 60 seconds to have a discussion, figure out who's right, who's wrong, and are we turning or not. So, mm -hmm. But at 10 miles out, we've got 10 minutes to figure it out. We've got time to react. We've got time to think about it and not make bad judgment calls. Um, Oh, Ray, Ray, respond to that before uh, Josh cues up his his last issue. Well, and let me let me let me say that so much pressure is put on the pilot car industry today by the truckers to know that those routes. But at the end of the day, it is the responsibility of the trucking company to know where they're going and to operate in a safe manner and to get that load transported. It is not up to the pilot car industry. The pilot car is an extension. They are a safety device. They are to be there to warn traffic. That is their job. That is their function. Uh, now they are to know this. They are to know the routes. That is true. Perkins. When I was at Perkins, of course, all we did was superloads. Perkins had their own pilot cars, but when they operated in difficult states such as Illinois, 
they would go and hire a local Illinois. They had a very short list of pilot cars that they used because they knew the territory. They knew exactly what was coming on. But the one thing that, that I would say Perkins did is that they traveled uh, and they chased those routes out before they moved those loads. There's not many companies that do that, but they did it because that was the safe way to operate. That should be a requirement on super loads. There are going to be a lot of my brother truckers that hate me for saying what I'm about to say. They should be a, every super load should have to prove out the route before they move. Number one. Number two, they should have pilot cars with them. Not two, but they should have three if they're dual lanes. Uh, Dual lanes should have three pilot cars, period. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know that uh, they're only required two, but at the end of the day, when you get into a turn and you're taking up the entire intersection, believe me, that third car comes in handy. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you've got police with you or not, but at the end of the day, that third car really helps you manage that traffic. We had a proven, uh, we had a proven uh, pilot car uh, program at Perkins that we use to get us through those intersections and we would typically only take two to two and a half minutes to clear an intersection. So uh, I think that at the end of the day that that reality tells us you've got to know where you're going, you've got to be safe, and you've got to take into consideration you're sharing this, this uh, common roadway, the public highway with everybody else and you've got to make sure your families travel the same highways you do, and you've got to make sure that you're safe. Let's do this, Josh. Um, you, you know that we're going to have you and NPCA on again for, for, for some more in-the-weeds permit routing discussion. So <laughs> you table that until our next call. Yes, sir. But based on, based on the great conversation you and Ray just had, let's close this way from a safety standpoint and um, share with the audience, um, not all the details, of course, but just a couple of the, the pieces of information of the, the tragedy you and I um, were discussing earlier today, uh, a pilot losing his life, and let's, let's try to learn some lessons from it. So, so I think in the industry as of late that there are more and more oversized, overdimensional loads that are traversing the roads. We're using more roads. It's becoming more common. So, and I have talked to several law enforcement, whether they are police officers, ambulance drivers, first responders, or firefighters, and they all agree and have the, have the same problem. The motoring public, I believe, has become desensitized to our lights and our flags. They see us so often, they just choose to ignore us and go around. And, and I don't know how to get their attention. Um, you well, know, we've talked. We've talked, not to interrupt, but we've talked with NSCNRA when I was there um, seriously at times about potentially approaching government and changing the color of lights. Uh, New Zealand, for example, and I, Australia, I think, went to purple lights, which I know in our country means funerals and such. But I agree with you about the lights, the color of lights that you all do have, have become desensitized. Well, but, but again, I started out with law enforcement first responders, uh, fire trucks, and ambulances. We're talking about reds, we're talking about mm -hmm. blues, we're talking about whites, and we're talking about ambers. They're ignoring them all. They see it all, and we're in a society now that an inconvenience or a slowdown 
is not something that the public, I believe, is willing to tolerate. They're not willing to give us 30 seconds or 60 seconds for a simple oversized load to clear the intersection, much less raise example of, of two or three minutes for like a dual lane to clean clear out an intersection. So I, I feel as safety is, is, is paramount up front that the public doesn't know what we do, and we're only there for their protection to start with and to alert them that there is something dangerous in their proximity, and please, you know, give us a little bit of space. Br- briefly, what happened in the incident you and I were discussing so, earlier this morning? So, so the way that I, I remember it, it's been several months ago. Um, I believe the truck broke down, and it was put on the side of the road. It wasn't oversized load, so it was impeding that traffic, you know, that, that lane. So your, your pilot car operators were doing what they were supposed to do, front and rear. They got out of the car. They had their, you know, their, their vests on, their hats on. You know, they lights. were flagging. You know, they left the lights on the car, the lights yeah. on the truck. They were signed up. You know, they, 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 I'm sure they had their stop slow paddles. And they were trying to direct traffic to keep them off of that load. And um, I don't know who it was. I don't know what it was. It was a vehicle that come around not quite paying attention, um, a civilian vehicle, and the gentleman was there on the side of the road in, in proper gear, doing the proper job, and he got clipped. And, and you know, the, I understand Fatality. that, that he, he passed away because of it. Yeah. You know, that they, they, they weren't doing it wrong. They weren't, you know, in a predicament, in, an, in a really oddball, maybe like a blind curve or something. It was just lack of attention to the situation, and it was very, very unfortunate. Ray, your final comment on on this tragedy and safety in general, and then Tony will close us out. You see it in the headlines every day. We see where police officers are killed. We see where law enforcement where law enforcement is is taken advantage of. They're just not they're just not people are not paying attention. I agree with you. Amber lights now become a target. Uh, they're not, they're not uh, paid any attention to by the motoring public. We could start at the beginning. We could start in driver training. When, when young people are trained behind the wheel of a car, you know, you see a flashing light, an amber light, or a blue light, or a yellow light, an orange light, a red light. You slow down. You pull over. You give them you a lane. Yield. You give them all of the room they need. You slow down. You stop. You pay attention to the signs, to the people that are out there risking their life. You pay attention. Uh, you cannot, you cannot uh, buy, buy safety. You have to pay attention. You have to slow down. I believe that permitted loads should have speed. They should have speed limits on them as well. Uh, I don't think that uh, in today's world, with traffic the way it is, with uh, with the collection of of, uh, of people and us having to move into uh, very congested areas and traffic situations, that we can do it any other way. Maybe I see you know more and more of these big loads are moving at night, mm-hmm. and maybe that's the way to 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 do it is to move them at night. Now there's a risk involved in that. But is it a mitigation or is it a, is it a, a liability or is it a, a safety added uh, at the end of the day? I, I don't know. Uh, I can argue 
on both sides of the coin. I've, I've moved loads at night and moved them very safety, uh, but you know, who's to say? Uh, there are states that don't wanna do it and there are states that that's the only thing they want to do. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, slow down, pay attention. If you see lights, they're there for a reason, get out of the way. Well said, gentlemen. Tony, final word from you from a technology standpoint. I know you and Tim, safety is as important, more important even than revenue. And I've seen that. I've lived that with you guys uh, through your offering of this free routing app that that Josh was, was raving on earlier. And thank you, Josh, for your comments. Uh, but from a technology standpoint, Tony, um, what are you and Tim thinking about uh, throughout the course of the year in terms of... Uh, uh, our routing that we provide and our services from a safety standpoint? Well, the number one thing is, you know, we try our best not to get people on routes that they shouldn't be and depend on the load and everything are, but you know, it's still the awareness. I think, you know, we've got a lot to do to make sure that the routes that we deliver from one state to the other, they blend well, you know, that they do work just like this, this app we've got, you load up the first state, you're great. But now you get to the port, you got to get out of it, reopen it up, and scan the next state. Well, wait a minute. We should have it communicate those states together. So when I'm getting close, as I say, you got two miles before you hit the next state border. And by the way, according to the next state permit, this is what it tells you. You know, uh, I think we can tie these better. I think uh, I, I want to go back to one point. I, I think it's not because the, um, you know, the consumers out there, the non-truckers out there, I don't think they're trying to to do anything wrong. I just honestly don't think they know. They don't understand. It's amazing because I've spent my whole life around trucking. So trucks is just part of it. But sometimes we that's in trucking fail to forget that uh, little Joey that just got his license here six months ago has never sat in a truck before. He doesn't want to know what all these signs are. And I also know because I was helping my nephew with his uh, license and stuff, and I was sitting there reading the Colorado book to get your driver's license. How much in that book explains to them about these trucks? How much in there does that book say that don't do this, but do this? So wait a minute. So we expect people to make the right decisions, but we're not teaching them. So my thought is back with you, Ray. I say, you know, before you get your driver's license, You've got to go through this course and understand what a truck is. You've got yeah. to go through a course to understand they can't see you if you're this far back. Okay, They can't stop and they're like also, you can stop. They sure can't. So to me, yeah. Yeah. that's it. I think we need for this to work, we start right now and we start with our kids. Okay. Uh, you know, Tanner, my niece that's with us, they just had helicopters come to her school that flew in. They had special responders come in to do what? To educate them what this is, why you should trust this person if he comes and says, look, I'm helping you. I'm in a fire suit. You know, there's certain things, but not one darn time. And, and I try to use my good language there. <laughs> not one damn time have have they sat there and brought a trucker in and said, hey, this is what truckers do. Mm-hmm. I also think, you know, we're all worried about autonomous vehicles and let's get the drivers out of the truck. Well, screw that. You know, we need those drivers, those good drivers out there that are getting older, none against you, Ray and Steven, but you older folks out there, you know, you know, all this, 
the new guys don't, you know? And so I'm telling you, I, I, I really think, and, and I feel bad because last year, and the reason this thought came to me, the local school here asked me to do a presentation to all their graduates that are going to graduate and tell them what trucking is and software and how they can make money and they can get into transportation and something happened and I wasn't able to attend. But you know what? It's those things that I believe that every state should enforce through their schools. If I've got to learn all these things, well, you're going to learn a little bit about the road. Why? Because just like needing three pilot cars with that load, I need my wife next to me. I need my kid in the backseat going, Dad, Dad, the people in front of you stopped. We all need help. We're all human beings. But you know, knowledge. I pay a lot more attention to those big trucks today than I ever did. But it's not because somebody sat me down and said, you should do this. It's because I'm in transportation. I see the tragics. I see people die. I see all this every day of my life. So I'm thinking about it. But if I wasn't in transportation... I never would think about yeah. it. I wouldn't worry other than get that damn truck out of my way. Yeah. I'm trying to get to my girlfriend's house. I, uh, That's all they care about. I was the same hey, way before I came to work for Illinois DOT. Yeah. Yeah, Josh, real quick. So so I'd like to springboard off of, of Tony a little bit. The National Pilot Car Association has been in talks um, with a couple couple organizations, and we, we are actively wanting to partner. I agree with Ray. Um we would like to go on a state-by-state state level, try to pick up a handful, two or three of them, put some sort of simple pamphlet program together, not asking the state to redo their rules of the road, their driver's ed, but something they can shove into those books and send out to those schools. Okay, that's number one. Number two, in the state of Illinois, they call it the rules of the road. That's the, the tagline for them. It's been that way for decades. There is one or two pages that talks about farmers and large vehicles. I think, you know, it would be a good idea for the oversize, you know, the OSOD to, to maybe partner with them. The farmers are very similar to us. They run the local roads, the smaller roads. They are very big. They don't travel very fast. We run the U.S. highways and the interstates, and we're bigger than they are. But it's similar enough that we should be able to partner and at least get our own page or two in every driver's ed book. Um, I will also say, bouncing off Tony again, about the driver's ed and the teaching, um, I'm also with the Illinois Farm Bureau. I'm a director in Massac County here where I'm I'm from. Um, And the Illinois Farm Bureau has had a program again for probably the last 10 years. It's called Touch a Tractor. And we do it county by county. We usually do it at least once a year. We bring in farm equipment, and we ask those young people, anybody, to come in and sit in the tractor, sit in the combine. Um, our local farm bureau tries to take a semi, you know, with a grain, you know, a hopper bottom, um, a tractor with a grain cart, a combine, a sprayer, out to every year the local driver's ed class and park them out there and let the driver's ed class come out. Let them sit in those vehicles and see what it's like. We put a car behind a combine and say, how can he see you? When you're on his butt, you know, what do they say in trucking? You know, you see it on a lot of the van trailers. If, if you can't see my mirrors, I can't see you. Yep. It no. says, this is my blind spot. If you're here, don't be here. So I think we can do better. But I think we also need to partner with other industries to try to 
do better. Well said, yep, gentlemen. Um, and great. Next podcast, I got to do a better job of bringing you three out of your shell <clears throat> so we can have some more robust discussion. <laughs> but uh, we do need to wrap up. We'll do this again. Yes, I know one of our producers, Megan, has things to do, and our other producer, Paul, needs to get to the gym. Uh, he needs a workout so he can start looking a little bit more buff like Tony and I. Um, so it, it's a high standard for him. And, and um, yeah, they got things to do, so we got to wrap up. Real quick, uh, uh, Josh, uh, NPCA plug, website, that good stuff. You know I'm a huge supporter of yours. Yes, sir. Um, so about a year and a half ago, we started into a transformation a little bit. Um, we were lacking a lot of directors. We were lacking coverage. Kind of like Ray was saying, you know, California to the East Coast, the North to the South. Um, recently, we went from four regions with two directors per region to five regions. We picked up Canada. How many loads now, oversized loads and wind yeah. components are going to Canada? And Canada is just like the states. They have so much different regulation. I believe they call them providences rather than states that are so much different. Mm -hmm. and, and we're trying to align ourselves you know, for safety, for education. Um, yeah, you guys are doing some great work. What's the website? It's a little different website. Yeah, it's, and we're actually in the process of, of trying to lengthen it and make it where it's a SEO search. Currently, it's nationalpca.org, and we're working at getting the rights to National Pilot Car Association. I realize that's a hog leg of a name, that's okay. but it will search on Google. But and currently, one cool it's thing national. I, yeah, go ahead and say it again. Nationalpca.org. And all the membership information's on there. Yes, it's a very Absolutely. inexpensive membership. And you all do something on a monthly basis that I think is so cool. They have a monthly public phone call for their members, anybody, to join in. And they talk about pilot car issues and OSOW issues and you're, you're all to be applauded to that. And Ray, thank you. Uh, continued good luck with your consulting business, which I know is going well. And congratulations and thank you for uh, you're now on board with Pro Miles, doing some great work for us as well, Mr. Ambassador. So thank you for that as well. And Tony, just thank you for being you, you, you crazy mountain man, you. Hey, I, I just I'll try not to talk so much next time. <laughs> but I, I will say this to you, Josh. You know, the pilot car side of this, uh, I think, needs a lot of attention. I think you guys deserve a lot more insight with the government than what you're getting today. I also think in a lot of ways, I think they need to be a little bit more stricter on who becomes a pilot car driver, because as we discussed here, how important they are. Well, you know, garbage in, garbage out with data. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? You get somebody in that they're very green. They don't know what they're doing and they cause an accident that not only causes you to you know, lose the load, lose your contract, possibly use, lose your life, mm -hmm. lose your business, lose your CDL, uh, and no telling what you're doing to the other people. So, you know, I s suggest anybody that wants to be a, in pilot car at all, first start with your association because they better know what they're getting into before just buying a cheap vehicle, throwing a sign on it, putting some lights up, going, I know what I'm doing. Because uh, some states I know aren't really pushy on those pilot they cars are. and what those requirements yeah. are. We've got a well, nickname for those what? called TikTok Pilots. And, yeah, they're, they're not well received. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining Tony on the Trucking with Pro Miles podcast. And God bless everyone. Take care. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. Yep. Thank you. Thank you.